Locked Under Podcast. That's us. I'm Liar. And I'm Rat. And we're going to talk about Orange. 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 <laughs> That's an inside joke that no one will get. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Alright, spoiler-free episode one summary. On the first day of a new year of high school, Naho and her friends meet a new student, Kakaru. When she gets home, she receives a letter from herself, ten years in the future. The letter describes a number of her regrets from this time of her life, mostly centered around Kakaru not being with them in the future. Our rating out of ten. We're saying a seven. We're saying seven. Spoiler-free reason why we gave it a seven. I think that the easiest way to discuss this show is through an analogy. The overall structure and macro narrative of the show, the bones if you will, are great. It's the supporting production and script writing, or meat, that I have a problem with. Although the score we gave the show will foreshadow my conclusion that I think Orange is still worth your time, despite some not-so-insignificant shortcomings. Should you watch the show? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think you should watch it, too. Uh, anyway, spoilers past this point, so if you want to watch it, go watch it. You should probably do that. We've selected two subjects to discuss for the majority of the podcast. These subjects are The Bones and The Meat. For each subject, we have each written a paragraph independent from each other, and we'll read it aloud. Then we will ask two questions each in an open discussion format. Bones. As at least I've come to say along this show, the core premise of this show is fantastic. The implication of exploring mental illness, survivors' guilt, one's relationship with their past, and more are begging to be expressed here, and this show does for the most part hit those points. As someone who can relate strongly to these kinds of messages, I went in I went into this solidly in this show's corner. Obviously, those kinds of topics need to be handled with nuance and care, and again, for the most part, it does handle and present those kinds of ideas, uh, complex ideas and viewpoints well, most obviously, I think, with uh, Sua's character arc throughout. I do have a few issues with some of the conclusions and specifics of the messages, but for the most part, that takes a backseat to a well-structured and impactful overall narrative of friends coming together to help someone who needs it and learning to take steps today to prevent the regrets of tomorrow. I want to make clear what I meant by the bones of Orange. I feel that the storyboard structure was created by someone with a real vision, dueling perspectives of future friends alongside dramatic irony viewings of emotionally unstable teens seems like a slam dunk for a slice-of-life drama story. The main story events that unfold during the show, like the, in my opinion, emotional climax of episode 7, were placed perfectly. The characters fill their roles well enough, with some exceptions that I'll get to, and barring some rocky pacing, I think that the big picture is fantastic. Yeah, so uh, starting off with questions, this might actually can't be both of my questions here, but I just want to take a minute and uh, discuss the uh, aspects of how the show presents mental illness and Kakadu's situation and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Especially because, as probably not particularly surprising to the listening audience, uh, I, am, I have depression. Not like... I've been in this situation, but, like, I have experience with the kinds of things it's talking about, to an extent, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I think, for the most part, it does pretty well. Uh, one of the big issues I have with a lot of media that talks about, like, depression and mental illness and that kind of stuff, especially in the context of, like, a romance story, is oftentimes they depict, like, oh... My this girl that I like is dating me now, my depression is gone. I think the important thing to get across home plate is that it never does anything particularly egregious. Yeah. It never really makes a mistake. Whether 
its depiction is applicable to you and your experience is up in the air. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't fuck it up. Yeah, and it mostly I, I would argue it does it handles it it does that for a little bit to like Oh, Naha's dating me. Now I'm not sad anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think the last couple episodes do a, a actually really good job of turning that around. Yeah. Because, like, when they do end up saving him, because we're talking about spoilers now. Yeah. Uh, when they do end up saving him, like, it's not like he's like, oh, I didn't commit suicide because I'm just so happy because I'm with Naha and my friends now. It's like... I wanted to and I tried to because I still am depressed. Yeah. But I couldn't make myself do it because of all the relationships that I've built with all of you guys. It's kind of the bittersweet thing of like keeping someone around vicariously through perceived responsibility. Yeah. Of like, oh, I don't want to like be absent and make all of you sad and I don't want to, you know. Yeah. And so it's a more realistic depiction in terms of that than... I'm, no, I can't go. I'm happy now. Yeah. It's all good. Don't worry about it. It's good. Yeah. I do think overall with Kakeru, a lot of the time it's, um, it's not shown a lot, but when it is, I think it shows a lot of his, uh, his sadness and depression and all that is kind of, it does the romanticizing mental illness thing mm-hmm. of like, instead of like a realistic depiction of what depression looks like, it's like, oh no hunky anime boy sitting on the floor of his immaculately clean, clean room crying looking at his phone. Yeah, I agree with that. And it does a lot of, um, like, everybody definitely notices. I know that there's the whole, the letters thing, giving mm. everyone basically omnipotence. Yeah. But everyone in his life knows, and that's not always the case. Yeah. And it's pretty important to say, like, oh, like even though everyone noticed, and, like, it still wasn't necessarily enough to say cure him because that's not how that works yeah it's not like that bad like i said it's nothing egregious but it is the kind of thing of it does kind of omit the oh you have like underlying habit and behavioral issues and in exchange for i have fits of sadness yeah which to some extent that's kind of nitpicking yeah because i think so too yeah because as much as that as much as like that's what's happening in the show it's kind of like not like Kakadu's not like the pov character right like that's not necessarily really about like his specific experiences it's mm-hmm. about generally naho but naho and her friends and all yeah. that and how they see and perceive Kakadu more so than his personal experiences yeah and then uh one other thing that i did want to bring up was uh his mom and the way they do that is because for the first 12 episodes, she's explicitly, it's the source of his sadness. It's a huge burden that he has to get over. Yeah, and she treated him badly. Like, it's critical to the plot of, like, oh, she took me out of the soccer club at school, threw out my soccer stuff, and made me promise to never join a club again. Yeah. But then in the last episode, second to last episode, I don't remember. I think it's the last episode, but well, whatever. Yeah, doesn't I, matter. He finds a he finds his mom's old phone and plugs it into charge and finds an unsent draft message from her and reads it and it talks about how, oh, but I had like a reason for doing all these bad things and I'm so sorry I never told you, but I was just doing what's best for you. 
Yeah, and that's kind of a lot. Yeah, and that presents a kind of uh, I don't necessarily want to use the word uh, use the word abusive relationship, but it does present a kind of uh, feels like it's like no, it's okay, even if your parents seem like they're doing terrible things to you, they actually just know what's best. Yeah, so exactly. It's fine. They know what's best. Yeah. Yeah. And they is, have good intentions, so you should just, like, deal with it. Yeah, which is not great. Yeah. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, that that's kind of digging. That's not, like, really what the show's doing. No, but it definitely is enough, like I, like I had alluded to, it's enough for me to say, like, do you have a tolerance for some bullshit? Yeah, you, for you're sure. Gonna, you're gonna want some. Yeah. Um, or at least just be aware that, like, some of the things that are presented here are not evergreen. One at a time, just a brief interlude about each of the characters. Are they good characters? Because I want to get some obvious ones out of the way. The black-haired lady is just kind of there for no reason. Yeah. Azu is also kind of just there for no reason. She has more of a reason to be there. Yeah. She has, like, more screen time, but I don't know that that actually helps with, like, her being a character. Yeah, I would argue she is a character, just Mm -hmm. not, like, a particularly fleshed out or important one yeah but critically why i brought this up at all is because i think that like the the best done characters are sua and kakir yeah i agree because naho is kind of just like dumb as shit yeah she's just kind of and i do talk about this more in the next paragraph but she's just kind of there yeah like she definitely got relegated to more or less plot vehicle yeah, like, this is whose shoulder you're on. Yeah. So she kind of has to be nondescript. Yeah. And I don't really like that, especially for a show that wants to be, like, a character-driven, tight narrative about emotional turmoil. Yeah, but then, to some extent, she's kind of, all of her character more or less just boils down to she's shy and in love with Kaku. And that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah, and that's not great. It leads to a lot of situations where some unacceptable things happen in the plot and some... When, kind of in the beginning, like episode two and three-ish, they, mm. she has to interact with Kakiru directly. Mm. And it's like, oh, she's shy, so this is hard for her and that kind of thing. Yeah. But then it keeps happening throughout the entire series up to and including the letter says, oh, he's going to die unless you do this, like explicitly. And she's like, yeah, but, like, I can't turn around and give him the chocolate, though. Yeah. And it starts to get, as a viewer, it starts to get on my nerves a little bit because it stops being, this is her character trait, you know? This is something that she'd do and starts becoming, I don't, this might just be because we need her to not do this right away. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, it does definitely get frustrating. Yeah. Because I've spent a lot of this question open discussion time kind of talking about some criticisms i have with the show Mm -hmm. uh one of the best executed things from the show in my opinion is episode seven because it is so blunt and so direct and so yeah um i specifically remember i'm 90 percent sure this was episode seven i i'm almost certain it was yeah but um i specifically remember the scene where I think Kakeru said something like, I want to die mm-hmm. for the first time. And just, it just cuts. It's just like reaction shot of the characters shot out the window. 
and just lets it hang. No music, no mm-hmm. backing, just silence for actually five or ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that this, this like, seven-minute span is some of the best parts of the show. Ah, uh, yeah. Is the... He kind of veils his feelings in a joke. And it's kind of reincorporation because they've talked about how his Tokyo friends, like, took his confession as a joke. Yeah. And so he kind of tries to do the same thing with this crew and it doesn't work. They clock him on it right away. Yeah, I agree that that's some of the best of the show. Yeah, is when it's doing that. When it's really hammering home its meaningful dialogue. The characters are acting on the information that they have. Yeah. Which is, I suppose, to to reinforce my prior statement that I didn't express that well with Naho, might be my issue with it, is Naho is not acting on the information that she has despite the only thing stopping her being the kind of arbitration of, oh, she's shy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but also she's done this before multiple times at this point, but yeah. it kind of bugs me. It, it, it interrupts the pacing. Because yeah. it makes it feel like, well, we've done this before. We've done this whole Naho doesn't do it for the first two times, strike one, strike two, and then gets it the third time. And it yeah. kind of does that whole routine a couple times. Yeah, and it just starts to feel like it's dragging it out. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it, that it's like a pay- it becomes a pacing issue. Yeah, and less of a like character inconsistency issue. It becomes a, okay, come on, we get it. Yeah. Problem. The meat? Next subject, the meat. Unfortunately, while the overall structure of this show is great, the actual moment-to-moment production leaves a lot to be desired. Oftentimes it feels like a storyboarding or writing director had a clear vision of what they wanted the story to be, but the episode director just didn't get the memo. A lot of the aforementioned nuanced details of the narrative are just kind of stated, without the kind of setup or backing that it takes a, nar- that takes a narrative like this from good to great. This leaves some of the impactful emotional beats dangling as they feel almost contrived. In addition, the writing tends to lean off a few excuses to an annoying extent, mainly Naho being too scared to talk to Kakaru. While I feel this is far from damning, it definitely takes something that could be absolutely fantastic to something that's just pretty good. The meat on the proverbial bones is found wanting for me. I think that the individual lines in the script are simply too bland for a nuanced narrative about emotional turmoil. Frequently, the script, in tandem with the unforgivably beige art direction, makes being in the throes of saving a life seem boring. While I don't think that the show is just unfinished, this feels like a first or second draft. Filler scenes make themselves extremely obvious and make the journey between plot points seem like a vast expanse of unending high school small talk. This is especially critical to avoid when your selling point is the exact opposite. And... Uh, that kind of transitions into my first question. You alluded to, you alluded to it as well. Mm. Um, just like some specific examples for like dead air or just plain underscripting a scene because you had said it's missing the individual dialogue to make a narrative like this go from good to great. Uh, the like more nuanced points in the narrative are simply stated. Yeah, I think the best example, probably because we've just finished watching the show, so it's fresh on the uh, on the dome piece. Yeah, is one of the scenes from the future. They're driving in the car. I don't remember where they're going to the hill With to see the... the cherry blossoms. I think. Yeah, and they go through, and they're discussing like 
oh, what would ha- what would have happened to us if Kakaru was still here? Because Kakaru and Sua both were uh, both love Naha, mm-hmm. and you know a bunch of people were saying like, oh, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't pick sides. I'd be like, I wouldn't want to get in the middle of that. And one of them guys just goes like, yeah, I'd be with Kakaru a hundred percent. And so I was like, I kind of feel bad, like I stole Naho from him. Yeah. Because we started dating even when he was still alive. And then, like, hard cut. Yeah, and it's like... And that's not, like, a summary of what happened. That's kind of just the dialogue. Yeah. It's like a 45 second in the van. Those sentences get said, hard cut, next thing. Yeah, it's like, it was a single scene. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that could have been the entire back third. Yeah, that could have been, and arguably should have been, mm-hmm. significantly more than it was. Yeah. Like, I had I had kind of said that if this was a movie, I would argue that making Sua basically the main character. Not necessarily the person that's on screen the most, but, like, the main emotional character would be so smart. Because instead of a narrative where you basically have to portray suicidal tendencies in a perfect way you can display suicidal tendencies in a nuanced way but have the show basically be about survivor's guilt and suwa's relationship to naho knowing that that's what not why they're together but like again the survival's guilt thing of him yeah. convincing himself that that's why they're together. Yeah, or... it's like he was the, he was the second place. Yeah, and having people, this like group of adults, effectively unable to not gaslight each other. Yeah, could have been so interesting, but instead it's relegated to that thirty-second scene you described, and I think that's kind of emblematic of the blunt writing and the underscripting of something that could have been frankly genius yeah and just wasn't explored literally at all yeah and again another example is kakaru's mom and finding the text message it's not like he slowly remembers details like it's hinted at that his dad was physically abusive Mm -hmm. and it's not like he starts like remembering that or anything like that or his grandma mentions it or anything like that over the course of the show it's just not mentioned and then he finds the cell phone and it says it all in a text message in like two paragraphs yeah and it's like this could have been handled so much better than it was exactly uh another aspect that i'm surprised neither of us brought up i expected you to but you didn't is the uh well you hinted at it the visual style and animation oh yeah i had like a little thing about it yeah, because for me... So fucking brown! <laughs> yeah, for me it's not even necessarily like the beige high school that's the problem. Although, you know, that's it not good. It is literally a beige high school it is, that's not great. Yeah, it is literally a beige high school. It has some pretty shots. It's not like it's just visually uninspired period end of sentence, but... Yeah, but the issue for me more so is the character designs. Yeah, and I get that they wanted like a grounded thing, but it's not even like... Oh, well, they're trying to depict real people, so of course they're just like kind of plain. It's like, yeah, but no, it's not that they're plain. It's that Azu looks like a frog. Oh, you mean? <laughs> I was that Azu looks like a frog, and Naho, you can look straight into her eyes and see out the back of her head. <laughs> yeah, I I agree that a lot of the drawing, like the cells, are really 
incongruent. And yeah. you can look at, like, when one scene jump cuts or reverse shots to another drawing. It is, like, and now this character is shaped different. Yeah. And it's enough where it's kind of distracting, because it's like... Like, there are some shots where some characters are not recognizable. Like, Sua looks violently different from scene to scene. Yeah. And it's very strange. Which is a shame, because when he looks good, he's one of the ones that I think the design works the most. Me too. But yeah, he does just look like a completely different person. Yeah, and I was going to get at the uh, the character design in terms of, like, Hagita is just the anime glasses boy. Yeah. And that's what he is. Like, you and know, I get that you're trying to tell a... Uh, I get that you're trying to tell a grounded narrative... But, like, this might be the most generic per anime caricature you could have made. Yeah. And Kaguru, too. He's black hair, hunky anime boy. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to... I don't think you could dedicate a whole question to the score. No, I don't think I think that the score... I'm going to dedicate a whole question to the score immediately after saying that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So, the score. Uh, I think that... Well, let's... let's. I want to hear your take on it first. Uh, hit and miss... Okay, I agree. Generally a little bit more towards the hit than I agree. the miss, yep. but still decidedly hit and also miss. Yeah, I think it's generic when it is allowed to be, basically. Like, it's generic when you wouldn't notice. Yeah. But it has a lot of moments of the show knowing that this scene should not be scored. Mm. And there is a... Very iconic score that plays sometimes that is really good. Yeah. The uh, opening and ending suck. That's just opinion, but yeah. I'm, I'm just going to throw it here because... And there's like, a, there's a couple times when it's like the score, it's like, you you notice it and instead of like, wow, that's good. Like a lot of times during the, some of the intense emotional, emotional beats when it not correctly omitting a score a lot of the times the music during that is actually really good but sometimes other than that you notice the score because it's not being generic but instead it's being whack as hell yeah and when it's being generic or even worse kind of nudging you towards like oh this scene isn't sad but like this is a, supposed to be a sad show so we're gonna play some sad music right now yeah it can be a little distracting and uncalled for. Yeah. When it's not like supporting a scene, it's just kind of there. But so yeah, I agree. Hit and miss. But when it's when it's good, it's good, and when it's bad, it's actually kind of fine. Conclusions. Orange to me is a tale of what ifs, both in narrative and in viewer experiences. The emotional beats feel blunt, but still worthwhile. The characters are likable, but sometimes paper thin and infuriating. I would not recommend Orange to someone with a short attention span or short tolerance for stupid bullshit, but if you are willing to be in its corner, you will get a lot out of it. I'm just not sure that that's me. As has become a running theme with us on this show, this is a gem buried in too much rock. I can see the vision, and I love it, but it falls short when it comes to actually expressing it to the viewer. This by no means makes the show bad, or even really particularly disappointing, but it does hold it back from being something that was could have been truly great. Ratings? Out of 10? I have no idea what I'm going to give this. A 7 out of 10? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm so torn between a 6 and a 7. I have no idea. I think I'm going to say 6 for one reason and one reason only, and it is everything that isn't the point of the show 
is kind of shit. Like, the animation. Yeah. And the drawing and the color palette is just, like, makes me want to claw my eyes out. And I get that, oh, it's Slice of Life. It's a high school and everyone's wearing a uniform. So, like, duh. Yeah. But, but like, no. Still, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, not even consistent not. with its like what its characters look like. Yeah, exactly. So I think I'm going to give it a six on production mistakes alone. But I yeah. do think that the show is closer to a seven than a six. Next time. Next time. Uh-oh. Next time. <laughs> Get excited. Surprise, fucker. It's been wondering priority the whole time. Oh, no.